it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to Series 3 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the men's basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. In Season 1, we told the story God wrote of how the men in our program traded the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three, ultimately culminating in a national championship. Here's Coach Tonegal in Episode 1 talking about how pursuing God first and others second translates to any context. It's just ripe for the market. I think it's ripe for culture. Because our culture wants greatness. I am third ultimately produces greatness. I think it produces greatness inside of individuals, inside of organizations, in, inside of teams, which is the exact opposite as we've talked about the, the pull of me, which I think just distorts that greatness. This series will take listeners inside each program in IWU's athletic department, sharing how each coach is flipping the world's vision of leadership upside down, instead pursuing kingdom greatness through discipleship. The terminology in each program may be different, and the application may change. But the coaches at IWU believe pursuing God first and others second is a powerful way to live and to lead in any context. Today's episode will feature the track and field program. Coach Caleb Snyder will share how he leads a team with over 100 athletes divided into subgroups that make it critical for him to equip other leaders to instill the culture across the entire program. In the second half, junior Kendra Frieden and senior Chad Ellens join, followed by overtime with AD Mark DeMichael. We're joined now by Coach Caleb Snyder. Coach, can you take us to the hiring process here at Indiana West? And you're following a Hall of Fame coach in John Foss who'd been here for over 25 years. What was that like to follow him, and how did you start to build on his foundation of the program? Yeah, for a lot of people, it can be intimidating coming in and and taking the place of somebody who's been here so long. Um, But honestly, Coach Foss is one of the most gracious guys you'll ever meet and uh, most humble. And coming in, he had no issues just saying, here it is, take the reins. And um, he made it very clear that, you know, if you need advice, I'll give it to you. If you you don't use it, I don't really care. And that's okay with (laughs) me. It doesn't bother me. And just that mindset, that heart was so so refreshing but also extremely helpful it's really fascinating to hear that because when i look at you as you lead this program there's such complexity because a lot of high capacity leaders want control of every detail and you're saying coach foss totally trusted me as i stepped into this situation so i want to move there as, as a coach you have in the spring over 100 athletes you have men and women you have a bunch of different events so as a coach, to lead that, there's probably more complexity than some sports. As you start each season, how do you lay a foundation for the team to move in the same direction when you have all that complexity? Yeah, yeah. So pretty much what we do is we start with what I call the Wildcat Covenant. Um, it's something that I've used since I started coaching. I actually got it from a guy who hired me eight years ago, going on nine years now, and um, tweaked it, adapted it to who I am as a coach, but who my teams were. And um, basically it just defines who we are. It's uh, 
to sum it up, it's Matthew. A good summary of it would be Matthew six thirty three: uh, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to it. And uh, and so that's basically the gist of the covenant. It's a page long. It's got more details in it. But as long as they're operating uh, within the, the guidelines of that covenant, um, you know who this team is and uh, the things that they do is it doesn't really matter um, because I know that within that covenant it's it defines us and um, every team is going to look different because of the different individuals on it so so you have this covenant you want your team to seek first his righteousness but you have limited time and a bunch of directions you could go in your leadership so how do you even start that where do you go first in your leadership and how do you channel your energies well we've got the two kind of our two um, different pieces Uh, one being uh, what we call a leadership team and so I select every year um, this is something actually coach Foss did for who knows how long but since I've been here um, I've continued it and we select who we think are leaders that exemplify who we are as a team, but also can bring a lot to the table in regards to leadership or ideas and that kind of thing. Um, And so they are in charge of just taking the team and making sure um, things are moving. And on the women's team, it looks like servant leadership more than anything. And this year, more than previous years, we've seen a need for them to not be bosses, but really just be there to say, hey, if you guys have ideas, how can I help you? Let's let's take your idea and roll with it. Um, on the men's team, it's, it's a little different because men are different from women, and they can just take, take charge and go, and men will follow as long as there's trust and respect in that relationship. And so... That's the first piece is that leadership team. Um, and then the other piece is the assistant coaches and making sure all of our assistant coaches align with who we need to be and who we are. Um, and again, that goes back to the covenant and the, the defining who we are as a team. Um, and as long as they're operating within those guidelines of that covenant as well, I have no reason to not trust them in, in what they're doing. So you're really identifying the key leaders both on this team and on your staff, and you're empowering them to live out the Wildcat covenant within their context on the team. But the word you used a couple times there was trust. Mm -hmm. As the leader, how are you able to trust all these people to live that out, and how do you know when there's trust developing amongst the team towards these leaders? Yeah, um, how am I able to? I don't know. I guess I've just... Uh, grown up with the ability to trust God just kind of gifted me that way and um, I'm, I'm just wired that way everybody's wired different but as long as there's respect in the relationship um, it's for the most part pretty easy for me to trust somebody and uh, for some people it's an extremely difficult thing to do but for me I don't know why but it, it is and it's, it can be a flaw but it can also be a really big strength so um but, yeah, I mean, we've just got an awesome, awesome group of men on our coaching staff. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have any women this year on our coaching staff. But um, we, we've got an awesome group of men that, that get it. And then on our, our leadership team, they are just uh, a loving group that, uh, as we talked about earlier, I mean, they, 
they more than anything just want to see the team grow spiritually. And that's because they know that that's more exciting than any other thing that we do. There's also a part of high-level success in your program. Yeah. And we see records being broken, championships being won. What's the connection in trust to the success you've had on the on the track? Hmm. Um, I think it ultimately comes down to the athletes trusting the leadership on the team. And at the root of it, if the trust is there, if the respect is there, they're going to work hard for you. And we work crazy hard to develop what we do. And that's anything from throwing, jumping to running. Um, it is a lot of hard work. And other sports, we talk about this often, other sports play games. We train our bodies to perform at the highest possible level that it's capable of performing, pushing it to its limit multiple times a week. And it hurts. Um, but if the athletes trust the coaches, if the athletes trust their leaders on the team, their fellow teammates, uh, they have more motivation and a stronger desire to perform that way. And um, it's not an easy thing, but they can come back and really, uh, I guess it sounds bad, but take a beating. And it's, and, but it, it yields really good results. It's uh, athletically, it's, it's worked for us. And, uh, but they're committed to the process because it's not an easy thing to come back day in and day out and do the same thing as you did a week or two weeks ago. And um, it's a process, it's time consuming, it's uh, a long year of just train, train, train. And um, when they start to see the results of it, it's again that builds the trust that builds the trust in the training plan as well so it's funny to hear you say that because i know our guys will laugh at times because we run for five minutes at the end of practice and you think we're torturing them when they have to do that and for your athletes that's for some of them what they do full time so there there does take a measure of discipline and mental toughness that uh our athletes may not have but let's move uh to maybe the practical when it comes to the leadership side of it Maybe what are some of the things you're doing, either from a big picture, like big event you're doing, or from a day-to-day spiritual leadership of your program? Yeah. So um, about a year and a half ago, um, God just kind of gave me this hunger, this thirst for more spiritually. Um, And it was very clear that my morning devos and my reading in scripture just wasn't enough. It wasn't adequate. And it just really didn't feel right just leaving it there and I didn't feel like I had enough to share with the people that I was leading. Um, And so Coach DeMichael um, opened up the possibility for coaches to take a spiritual life and leadership class in seminary and so I was actually I think the first coach to sign up um, partially because my season isn't in the fall so it made it easier but um, it really opened my, my eyes to seeing that I've been missing so much study in books and in scripture um, that I hadn't seen before. And so it kind of filled that hunger, but gave me a direction. And one of those things that came out of that was reading the book uh, by Richard Foster, Celebration of Discipline. And so one thing we did over the summer is the week before classes started, we took a group of 10 leaders on the team 
and one of the assistant coaches uh, to a cabin in North Carolina in the middle of nowhere. Um, and we practiced what the, the author of Celebration of Discipline called uh, the inward disciplines. And that's uh, study, meditation, fasting, and prayer. And um, it was just a really rich time where we were able to break down, okay, who are we as a team? Does this covenant really reflect who we are? Do we need to make changes to adapt it? Or um, is it good? Do we chuck the whole thing out or do we keep all of it? Um, And it was very clear that it did define us, but there needed to be a more consistent um, pointing in that direction of the covenant and uh, not just to pound it into them, but also just have more things in our program that pointed people towards it so that they also saw like, yeah, this, this makes sense. This is who we are and this is who we need to continue being. And, um, but also on the women's side, it gave them direction on who and how and what they need to pursue, not only in their own personal lives and those prayer times with meditation, the scripture reading, the study, the fasting, but also as a team. Um, What can we do? How can we use our individual strengths to pour into the team by creating this list of activities? Because women need lists. Women need activities. Women need to talk. They need to meet. They need to see each other face to face. Um, With the men, it was, okay, who have we? We had a really successful year over the last year. Um, And so it was, okay, what did we do really well? What needs to change? And how do we keep that momentum going? How do we grow from it, not just stay stagnant and where it is? And so um, both of those were really good times and really good uh, calling in that direction that we needed to go. It's really a powerful example of the point of this podcast, which is discipleship can apply to any context. And you're taking your leadership team and assistant coaches in, and you're actually doing something. You're not just saying, I'm going to empower these people. You're going away. You're seeking God's voice. You're seeking first his righteousness. And now they're going to their parts of the team, and it's going to apply in a different way to the context that they lead, whether it's the assistant coach for each event, the men's side, the women's side. So it's a living example of what we're talking about. Now, as you look forward coming off that, because the stories you told from that trip were remarkable. And the more we've heard about it, the more exciting it is. But when you see that play out over the course of the year – how do you hope that affects the culture of the team? Well, the number one goal is that they would see what we were doing on that trip and make it a part of their life. Hmm. Um, not just take that week, enjoy the week, and have a plan for the year, but also have a personal growth plan in their spiritual life. Have something um, tangible, have something solid that they can grip to as they move forward, and especially for those seniors, like the number one goal is that they would take it and be better husbands, be better wives um, through it. And so um, that's what I would love to see is they're taking that time, spreading it out over the course of this entire year, because I know that if they lead themselves well, they'll be able to lead others better. A lot of coaches, when I say, what do you hope happens this year, would say, I hope to win a championship which is what you guys are doing, but it's really living proof. Seek first his righteousness. That's what your goal is as a coach, and it's, it's powerful to, to hear it play out in this conversation. Last thing, Coach, talk to that recruit out there. 
maybe the recruit who has is a high level player with a lot of different options. Why do you think Indiana Wesleyan is such a valuable experience and and should be a top priority for the right type of athlete? Yeah, we've we honestly, I genuinely feel like we've got everything we need for a top level athlete. When you're talking athletics, we've got phenomenal facilities. We've got an amazing coaching staff um, who are very very knowledgeable in their events. Um, we've got proving success. We've got a great education. Um, all of that with a rock solid Christ Center foundation. Um, that it's very clear this team, these guys, these girls are going to pour into each other in a way that I honestly don't think other programs do. There are a few out there that I know of, but not many. And uh, I think the combination of your ability to develop as an athlete, as a student, with uh, your spiritual side is unmatched. And um, like our men, our women's team, I know for a fact, if, like I said earlier, it's more than just a badge on the sleeve when they see their teammates come to Christ. It's, um, it's, like, it's more exciting than any athletic achievement they've had. They talk more about uh, one of the guys coming to Christ last year than they do about their national championship in the 4 by 8 which is crazy. And it's really special to be a part of a group like that over a four-year experience. And when we come back, we'll talk to one of the athletes and hear from them about what it's like to be in the program. This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an IM Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I am third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I am third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're joined now by junior sprinter Kendra Frieden and senior middle distance runner Chad Ellens. And I've been talking to these guys about being on a track and field team, and they've been explaining some of the challenges that can come when in this sport because of the dynamics. Do you guys mind to explain to listeners what you were telling me? Yeah, totally. Um, track is a super unique sport, and the fact that Coach Snyder is responsible for 100-plus athletes and their training. Um, so I think something that makes his um, leadership style so unique and track so unique is the fact that uh, Coach Snyder is really good at training up leaders to um, to lead uh, your training group. So Coach Snyder can't individually meet with everyone on the team, but he is so good at equipping um, other people to to fill in the gaps to make sure there's no one who is left in the shadows or who doesn't have a voice. Um, Kendra, why is that so important because of the dynamics of the the sport? Yeah, I think um, it's super important because it is easy to fall through the cracks on your own um, in a track team that's so big because. Um, everyone's doing different events. Everybody has different goals for times or um, just goals for practice. And so 
um, when you're around so many people doing different things, it's easy to just kind of shift into a mode of, all right, I just need to get myself through this practice or, you know, it's okay if I just slack off today and um, let myself recover. But um, when you have people that are intentionally looking out for everyone under them or just everyone alongside them, it doesn't allow for people to fall through like that, but it allows for accountability between teammates um, and also just encouragement um, for people that may be having a rough day. And Chad, it's really interesting to hear what you said about Coach Snyder and, and his style of equipping leaders on the team. And he yeah. spoke in the first half about assistant coaches and the leadership team, and you guys are both on that leadership team. So can you take listeners to the the retreat you guys went on and, and the impact it had on the leadership team? Yeah, no, that was... That retreat was such a great way to start the year. Um, like I was saying earlier, uh, when you create a space um, to blot out all the distractions of life, um, we didn't have cell phone coverage. Um, you know, we were just in this cabin, and we made the sole purpose um, to listen to what God had for us this year. And we just walked through who we are as a team, um, where we want to be, and how to get there. And I think God just spoke in incredible ways, and it all came from having our priority be just focusing on God and listening to what he has for us in this season. Priority is a great word because if a coach has three days with his top leaders, he could do a lot of different things. But Coach Snyder showed that, chose this spiritual retreat. Kendra, can you share why it was so meaningful for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it was super impactful on my life and just on the life of our team because um, Coach Snyder was really intentional about I'm having it centered on spiritual disciplines and just in our personal walks, um, listening to God and focusing on Him um, as a way to enable leadership and enable kind of passion for the year. Um, so I think like He made a huge focus on us all spending individual time in meditation and in prayer and studying the Word um, for several hours at a time before coming together. Um, and I think that was really special because um, the people on the retreat um, just we're from a huge mix of backgrounds. Like we had pole vaulters, throwers, hurdlers, sprinters, and everywhere from um, sophomores to seniors, just people from all different backgrounds and just all giving that individual time um, to learn from God and then together come and see that regardless of where we come from, we all have the same vision, um, which is something that was really unifying for us. And I'm sure for a, a sport like you guys talk about, this is uh, really a great way to set the tone for the year. But we've also been talking about context. So every sport, every leadership position has a context, but also within your team, there's different contexts. So that broadly, there's the men's side yeah. and the women's yeah. side. So Chad, maybe take listeners inside what that looks like to the next level on the men's side. So Coach Snyder hmm. takes you guys, he equips you, he says, now I'm going to empower you guys to lead both athletically, but also spiritually. Hmm. What does that look like? Yeah, definitely. I would say a huge... Um, big part of that is the barbershop that we have. It's just a name for we have our small group. Um, and basically, that was not touched by Coach at all. Coach never gave us the idea for that. He has never been to one barbershop. And um, so it's completely athlete-run and just like Holy Spirit-driven. And so basically, we just try to create an environment um, to, to put aside our distractions, to put aside our schoolwork, um, to put aside track and everything, and just focus on God. And Basically, someone will come and bring a word, uh, share a testimony, and the whole thing is just like super Holy Spirit driven. Like sometimes we'll end up praying for people um, or just talking about the struggles of life. And last year, uh, we saw two people get baptized and one person come to Christ. Um, so just like it's so cool to see the impact that 
setting apart time for God each week and, and focusing on spiritual matters and not being consumed with just track or just schoolwork, um, the impact that that can have, not only in spiritual life, but then also in return, like not even intentionally, but like unintentionally, the return that has on the track as well, like unifying the team. Kendra, you, you mentioned earlier on the women's side how you noticed this year the team came in hungry for growth. And, and there's really a, a common passion to grow in the direction of Christ. What do you think that's going to look like in the coming months? Yeah, I am really, really excited to see. I think um, in many ways it's going um, to affect um, just our atmosphere altogether as a team at practice, um, just all being one and being able to cheer for each other and encourage each other throughout um, different position groups and um, just throughout the time and really seeing people that need encouragement and are struggling at practice. Um, And I think also really walking alongside each other in outside life too. Um, We're being really intentional about providing opportunities um, just for everyone to feel welcome um, regardless of where they're at, whether that's a couple different Bible studies or um, having yoga nights or just other activities um, that are just open for people that want to get involved. Um, Because I think something we learned last year was that um, for especially, I, I think it affects guys too, but for girls it's like I don't want to come um, to an event you have unless I know that you care about me and the way you treat me at practice and if you value me to walk through daily life with me too. And so I think um, just being intentional about loving each other in all of just the daily things of life um, is going to be able to help us grow in unity and then be able to really act on that through stuff in practice and outside stuff like service or um, just getting together. It's really cool to hear the difference of how this is played out on the men's side and women's side. And it's really the point of, of this entire podcast is discipleship, the pursuit yeah. of God first and other seconds, applies anywhere, maybe differently though. So talk finally about uh, why that's so, so valuable. I, I assume there's some coaches listening or, or potential recruits listening that's saying, that all sounds fine, but at the end of the day, all that matters is how fast I can run an 800 or how fast I can run a, a 100-yard sprint, whatever the event may be, how far I can throw a discus why is this so critical and valuable for you guys in your experience here? Yeah, um, I would say kind of going off what Kendra said, it's so easy to fall through the cracks and track, um, especially with like coach, coaching 100 athletes. He can't evaluate your individual performance on the track daily. So it's so easy just to slack off one day and say like, oh, you know, just going to go 50% today. And that was me freshman year. Um, totally did not buy in, did not commit. Um but I think something really unique about Indiana Wesleyan, especially the men's track and field team, is just the unity and the bond that uh, comes through spiritual discipleship. Um, and it totally translates to the track um, and performances because you know that when you're going through that last rep of practice and you want to just pull off just a little bit, you got a teammate right there. And when you're on the side after practice, you know, maybe you just throw enough, like you got a teammate right there to pull you back up. And uh, I would say that directly translates to like, um, performance too. Um, if I was going at, if I was running the 800 alone by myself and I didn't have anyone to support me, that would be probably my worst nightmare. But when I'm on that track, uh, wearing the Indiana Wesleyan jersey, I know that like I got hundred plus people who are right there walking alongside me. I know I got the guys team who is walking with me in my spiritual journey and my, uh, journey as an, as a, a student too. Yeah, I would agree. I think something that I've just been realizing over the years is that life is not meant to be walked alone. And I think that applies to both of our, like our spiritual lives and um, as a student and on the track. All of those things, when we do it by ourselves, 
um, it just does not lead um, to good outcomes. It can just lead us to feeling isolated or discouraged, um, or if we are succeeding, prideful, but from the wrong area. And so um, it can just be a very lonely thing. And I think that discipleship, um, especially in the context of a team, is really cool because you've already seen each other at some of your lowest moments in really, really hard workouts and feeling sick and feeling discouraged and tired. And um, when you can love each other in that um, and also be vulnerable with each other, like there's nothing more freeing than being fully known by God, but also fully known um, by others and um, still having people with that knowledge love you. Um, And I think that's just such a powerful part of discipleship. Chad, I just want to throw in there real quick. Um, Discipleship is not a passive movement. You don't just slowly drift into unity on the team or intimacy with God. Uh, it's just like running. Like I'm not just gonna passively become a good runner. You have to work at it. And there's like there's difficulties in it. There's struggles you have to overcome. There's tough conversations to have. To have that support and that encouragement um, is so good because like college is such a time where you can you can choose choose two paths really, and you can choose to follow the Lord and pursue your relationship or um, you know follow the desires of the world. So I think it's really cool to have brothers to walk through life with who are gonna pick you up. Um, get that. joined now by Coach Mark DeMichael, our athletic director. Coach, we talked in the first half with Caleb Snyder, the track and field coach, and I want to go back to the hiring process with him. He obviously replaced Coach Foss, who's a Hall of Famer. He'd been here for decades. What's it like as a leader of the department to go through a hiring process when you're replacing someone like Coach Foss? It can be intimidating. It can be, uh, it can can let fear creep into your heart because when you have someone as special and unique as Coach Foss, you know he's one of a kind. So trying to replace that can be intimidating. The positive we had going for us and the comfort that I pulled from the whole process was that he wasn't leaving us, that he was remaining as part of our team, part of our family, was going to continue to coach cross country, had very open and honest conversations with him about his heart and willingness to be available to the new coach, depending on the coach's desire to have him around and available. So that was a, a comfort amidst a little bit of concern about replacing someone who really is irreplaceable. It's really interesting to hear Coach Snyder and Coach Foss both talk. One, why was Caleb that guy? And two, what does it say about both of them that they've navigated this transition so well? Yeah, we talk about humility and Christ being one of our pillars in, in the process that those two went through in Caleb coming to be our coach and, and the relationship they have now is is a great example of humility in Christ that they both showed us. And that Caleb, and one of the key factors in Caleb getting hired was the way he expressed sincerely his admiration, his respect for Coach Foss and his desire um, to continue to have Coach Foss involved in the track program and seeing the value in that, not being threatened by that, but wanting that because he knew he could grow as a, as a coach and as a, a godly leader by having someone like Coach Foss around. And then Coach Foss to be able to, the humility to be able to say, okay, there was a way I've done this for a long time. Now I'm going to be here to support this young man and he's going to put his own stamp on it, and which means he's going to do some th- things different, differently than what I did. He's going to do some things that maybe philosophically as a coach I would not have done can my can I continue to support him and mentor him and be an assistant coach for him of the distance runners in that platform? And he did that, and he he's done that, not surprising to me, 
in a, an incredibly high way. So it, it's been a great example of humility in Christ from both of them, how they've transitioned. In both the first and second half, we heard from Coach and his athletes about a, a team retreat. And I want to get that, to that in a minute. But before we get there, I want to talk about these intentional shared experiences we have within our department. We talk about mission and action, and mission and action can happen in the small, but also in the large. Can you talk through the value of these shared experiences and, and why you've been so intentional in creating them within our department? Right. Well, first of all, if you're going to build a culture, uh, you have to consistently look for ways to affirm that culture. And, and there are a couple ways you can affirm. You can affirm on the daily unplanned. You see someone um, doing something, saying something that falls right within what your division of the department is and the culture of the department is, and you just say, hey, really appreciate that. Then there can be the intentional. Then there are those planned things that you do that reinforce and affirm this is who we are to the point where we're making this event a priority. And those are some of the things that we've done with the commissioning service and with the sports blitz, with Montana. Those were intentional events that we planned that would say, reinforce and affirm this is who we are, this is what we're going to be built on. And we're going to, in the next couple episodes, go inside each of those individually and maybe each episode talk about each one. What is the, have those done cumulatively over time for the culture in our department, though? Oh, wow. They First of all, they, they've built a unity. They, they've you see our coaches, I know a lot of them refer, that are still around, refer back to the sports blitz and talk about how some walls and concerns and barriers that they had between themselves and some of their fellow coaches in the department. Even though they were sharing in the mission and it was healthy, there was another level of a relationship and shared mission they could have that they didn't have. And that shared experience in New Zealand, the Lord and the Holy Spirit used that to break down some barriers and have honest conversations and share and pray with each other in a way that had we not spent an intense 10 weeks together, maybe it wouldn't have happened or would have taken a lot longer to happen. So I think that's what I've seen is where it started with unity. It, it, the Holy Spirit uses those moments where you're together and, and corporately you're worshiping or ministering or all of it together, learning, growing. The Holy Spirit uses those moments to solidify his calling on us but he does that as a group and unifies us at the same time. So whether it's Montana and it's our student-athletes experiencing that, or whether it's New Zealand and our student-athletes and our coaches experiencing that, or our department meetings and our mini-retreats and our coaches experiencing that, that really draws you together and enables you to for a culture to be all-consuming in the department. And I know in the upcoming several episodes, listeners will be anxious to hear more details about each one of those, but let's move that down to a team level. Coach Snyder and his athletes talked about this one event that they did. So they took that concept, they did an intentional shared experience together, going to North Carolina, having a spiritual retreat as a team. What did you see out of that, and what is the the hope for what that becomes in the future for their team? Yeah, it was really interesting processing the that with Caleb as he was leading up to it. And he told me he had been really feeling prompt to do that for a while, but hadn't really been ready to pull the trigger. And it was some department meetings. It was conversations with fellow coaches about that. And what, what I think the real, Lord really prompted him is he realized as his deep passion for discipleship and spiritual mentoring and, and to have the to track team have a foundation of Christ-likeness and service and all the things we talk about. He realized with the track team of 110, himself and his coaches really probably couldn't do it to the extent that he felt the Lord calling them to do. So what's what's the alternative? And he realized, you know, we're here 
um, to mentor and grow these student athletes and so they're ready to go out and be beacons for Christ when they leave. And he just felt, okay, then what we need to do is we need to really pour into some key student athlete leaders on our team and disciple them and mentor them so that they can in turn then disciple and mentor their peers and be that type of leader on their team. And that's where uh, the idea of this retreat came from. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask IWU Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWUHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at IWUHoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.